0: Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. The Ziggler Show, timeless inspiration from Zig Ziglar that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide. Inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 327 of The Ziegler Show. I'm your proud host, Kevin Miller, and the title for today's show is Mumbo Jumbo Motivational Stuff. The title and the quote for today's show comes straight from our special guest, and I took it right out of his clip that we're going to discuss in just a minute. Here it is to wet your appetite.
1: This stuff is is more powerful even than I thought because even though a lot of people quote-unquote know about it already,
0: very few people put it into action. Folks, I'm admittedly proud, as you know, that The Ziggler Show is constantly in the top 20 of business podcasts in iTunes and the top 200 of all podcasts. And I'm even more proud that amongst all the great shows, we are one that you testify helps make you a better person. But I'll tell you, Here's another show dedicated to personal growth that owns a place in the top 50 of all podcasts and top five in business podcasts. It's the art of charm, which you can find at the art of charm They reside at the top in iTunes and Stitcher. The Art of Charm teaches the powerful weapons that are at the core of Ziggler, like influence and persuasion, that allow you to network better for business, make more friends with ease, and learn to increase business contacts the natural way. You can go to the Art of Charm or find The Art of Charm in iTunes or Stitcher and start taking your life to the next level. And on that note, One of the things we're going to continue doing more and more in The Ziggler Show is bringing you amazing people who have a personal Zig story and experience involving their life change as a result of the Ziggler message of hope, encouragement, and inspiring true performance. Today, I have with us none other than the renowned Art of Charm host, Jordan Harbinger. And for discussion... And disclosure, the reason Jordan is on the show today is because his company asked to advertise on The Ziegler Show. So I went to check them out. What I found out was a Ziegler evangelist was in the presence. And so while we gladly accepted their monetary compensation, I said that instead of merely giving them some airtime, I wanted an interview. So we talked. I loved what I heard and believed this was exactly the kind of info our listeners want. And so here we are. The best testimony I can give for Jordan, beyond being a Ziggler student and fan, is about a zillion people listen to the Art of Charm podcast. I mean, you don't need a fancy bio when the public and marketplace speak out loud. And what they say is they want to hear what Jordan has to say on his wildly popular podcast. So we're going to start off with a six-minute clip he recently recorded for us with his Ziggler story. You ready? Here we go.
1: So this is a conversation between me and my producer, Jason. We're gonna talk about my first sort of how I discovered Ziegler's material and why.
0: So Jordan, you started off your career as a Wall Street attorney. How did you get into social dynamics and personal development?
1: Sure, so I was interning while I was a summer associate at a big Wall Street firm that actually no longer exists. And when you do a summer associate type deal, you're getting wined and dined. They're taking you out to, you know, Blue Man Group and lunch and drinks and all this good stuff. And my, quote unquote, mentor was never around. His name was Dave. And all of the other summer associates, I was starting to get really jealous because they were like, oh, we went to eat a seafood tower here and we went to see Blue Man Group. And now we're going to this hotel to for a cocktail thing. And I hadn't even seen Dave for a really long time. So. One day, uh, an HR person comes up and says, how's your mentorship program going? And I said, well, it kind of sucks. I haven't seen my mentor at all. He's just, he hired me and he was cool then, but I haven't really seen him much since. So they actually made him take me out for coffee, which by the way, not a great way to ingratiate yourself with your hiring partner by complaining to HR. But at that point, I I wasn't sure if I wanted the job and I didn't really know what I was doing because I was really young. And he took me out to Starbucks and, and he said, he's hammering away on his BlackBerry. This is like 2006, 2007. He says, all right, whatever, ask, you know, ask me anything. And this is a guy from Brooklyn with a tan. So I know he knows a lot that I don't know, right? And I said, how come if we're supposed to bill hours as attorneys, you're never in the office, but the rumor is that you make the most money out of all the partners. What's, what's going on there? Do you just work from home a lot or what? And... He turns a couple shades of red because he's like an Irish Jew or something like that, and which I thought was a funny mix. And he says, do people really say that? Well, here's what's really going on. I am making, creating relationships with investment bankers and other clients of the firm. And you know, I'm going on charity events, playing golf, doing jujitsu, doing squash, playing racquetball, lifting weights, whatever it was. And so whenever they had work for that they needed anything that our firm could do, they would throw it to us because we're friends. And I thought, this is really changing the way that I look at work because prior to that, I kind of imagined that after you reached a certain level, you just had relationships from working in the industry for so long or that people threw you a bone or that people knew who you were and called you or that maybe, I don't know, they use the yellow pages for all I know. I didn't realize that really successful people were creating those relationships. And so I started to dedicate my life to the study of this. And I looked at Dale Carnegie and and Zig Ziglar. And that was where I really started to see, okay, in order to get what I want, I really need to help people get what they want. And at first when I heard that, I didn't believe that that would work. I thought that's some sort of mumbo-jumbo motivational stuff. There's no way that that works. I'm just going to end up getting suckered by all these people who are going to mooch off me, and I don't have anything to offer anyway, so what can I do? But I, I decided to test it because I had no other options. I wasn't going to be that guy who slept under my desk at work or, or sacrificed my whole life for this firm. So I saw my networking and these relationship building techniques that I was learning from Zig and the other folks as the key to me getting to the top of the law game.
0: Interesting. So you didn't start off By saying this is great advice, you were skeptical and you wanted to know more. No,
1: I was highly skeptical because I really thought, oh, this is like, look at this guy, you know, maybe this worked and, you know, when he was in sales because nobody knew about it, but, you know, people know about this, they're onto this now. And what I didn't realize was if you do this and you do it in an authentic way, there's no... There's nothing to worry about. Like people are on to me helping them out. It's law of reciprocity. There's a lot of psychology at work here. And frankly, you really do build a lot of goodwill by following a lot of these principles. And they're very it's it's like a modern hustler principles. Right. It's not shady. It's very authentic. It's easy to keep it up because of that it's really easy to internalize these and let them become habit or make them become a habit and when you do you find that it, it really is true they've really start operating on autopilot and the success builds upon itself and so i started to test these things out as a young 24 year old 25 26 year old kid a brand new wall street guy and i i found wow this stuff is is more powerful even than i thought because even though a lot of people quote unquote know about it already very few people put it into action. And so by putting it into action, you're already the exception to the rule. And that was extremely helpful for me. And by the time by the time I really needed it, it had already become largely habit and it's been serving me ever since. So it, it really was life-changing for me. Not only has it been life-changing for me, but it became the foundation of some of the core Art of Charm curriculum as well, where we teach relationship development, confidence, connection, authentic relationships in business and business and personal life, and so we took a lot of the concepts that I had learned from that, applied them to modern scenarios, and sort of added them together, and, and of course added in everything from the dating elements that we teach at Art of Charm, the networking elements that we teach at the Art of Charm, and not just directly the sales stuff, And that became the foundation for some of our modern curriculum. So it's really not only has it changed my life personally, but it's changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of listeners of the Art of Charm podcast because they learned some of these basic principles and how they actually apply to all different types of situations. So it's actually been really versatile and it it, it stands the test of time.
0: Jordan, thank you for doing what you do with the Art of Charm and helping inspire true performance in people. And thank you for honoring us by being here today on The Ziggler Show. And so I'm going to jump right in right off the bat in your clip. Your producer, Jason, asked you how you got into social dynamics and social development. So can I say that a primary pillar of all you do at The Art of Charm is focused on increasing personal performance in your life with a foundation on strong personal relationship skills? And in that, it necessitates that any and everyone must give due focus to social dynamics and social development. And so maybe we should just, my thoughts, replace algebra with this in school system and appoint you the headmaster. What do you say?
1: I, I'm in. All uh, right. I don't know if I could deal with all all the kids. I'm not, you know, I'm not that patient as much as I'd like to think that I am. But
0: <laughs> I was going to send mine to you.
1: Yeah, well, a lot of people write in and they're like, how young can I send kids to the Art of Charm live program? And the answer wow. is 18. And they're like, wow, that's like 16 years later than I wanted to or 15 or whatever. But it, it's true. It's really shocking. We, we Again, we get a lot of letters, even from teachers and, and real headmasters that say this is something we need to be, be teaching in schools because I'm not saying algebra is not important or that math or other skills taught in school aren't important. But what I am saying is if we know that relationships are one of the key levers of success in life, not just in your professional life, but in your personal life, your your life with your kids and family, your friends at work, etc. If we know that that's one of the key levers, why do we all but ignore this in schools? The only time we address this problem is if you've got a real problem child, or you've got something like uh, somebody's you know, disruptive to the class because they're too social. I mean, we we only oh, hold on. There's a siren.
0: I hear that. No, okay, yeah. let's roll with it. We'll, we'll get some big city feel in here.
1: All right, there you go. Then uh, you know, usually people are like, "Oh man, this is ruining it." But here you go. This <laughs> no. is the real environment in which I love I, it. I love I it. Know. It's but, candid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it sure is. And and you you might change your tune if there's eight more following it.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, no, baby. <laughs>
1: But it's true. It's it's really an important lever. And there's a lot of studies that show, hey, listen, you know, it's the, the old cliche that it's all about who you know is true, although it's also about what you know. It's not just one in favor of the other, except that we know that the social element, the relationships element can take you a lot further. And And that's kind of how I got into this whole thing in the first place, which we can talk about in a second. But we focus on increasing the performance that you have in your life at work at home with the foundation on those relationship skills because without those you can be the best in your profession you can be the hardest working and you can still fail and you do need to focus on this stuff and a lot of people who really are afraid to to work on this skill set because they're afraid they won't get it or because they didn't pick it up naturally they're worried that it's a nature versus nurture thing and that it's on the nature or that it's a, a nature thing and not a nurture thing, I should say. They're worried about that. They, they will go to all kinds of gymnastics in their life to avoid working on this skill, and they'll still suffer as a result. So it's good to just kind of bite the bullet and dive into this stuff and get good at it because you, you'll eventually have to or you will plateau.
0: Okay, well, I love what you said. In essence, you said whatever you're doing, uh, whatever skill set you have, whatever value you have, whatever knowledge you have, Uh, in your, you know, vocation and your life, relationship skills, increasing those will simply get you further. And and would you go even beyond that to say, and if you don't have that, you are significantly handicapping yourself?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like saying, all right, well, I'm a short guy in the NBA, so I really need to be good at shooting, but I'm not that really that good at shooting. So I'm just going to learn how to run really fast and dribble really well. You're not going to make it. Right. And even if you are, quote unquote, naturally really social, do you know how to apply that in a business setting? Do you know how to apply that to your family life or are you just really social with new friends? Right. So even people who look like they're really good at this stuff, they're not necessarily good at all the angles of it. If you're a really good networker, you might still have all kinds of stuff going on in your home life with your friends, with your family. That's just unresolved. From years and years and years ago, and if you're not focusing on it, it's going to fester.
0: Well, hey, I know, and I know I gave some some points I wanted to hit, but I'm going to jump off on this one again yeah. because you know I grew up. Um, I'm 44 years old, uh, and I grew up with my thanks to my my mom and dad uh, with a steady diet of you know Zigler uh, of going to the Carnegie classes. My dad went, and he would let me sit on the walls a wallflower. I was too young to participate, but I got to be privy to that. Um, but it does, you know, I went to the big seminars, the huge, you know, 50,000 people seeing folks like Zig and other superstars on stage. And now today I feel like we've lost that. And and to that degree, the personal relationship skills, that, that kind of training and, and even a persona to promote that is, is gone. And we have a lost art in essence, which again is why I got to admit, uh, I love getting to do what I do with the Ziggler show, but then when I saw you, you know, so high up in the rankings with the art of charm and got to, into seeing what you 're doing, I thought, oh, oh my gosh, this is a beacon here of of this lost art that people desperately need
1: thank you, yeah I appreciate it you know you know it 's funny i 've done a lot of the Dale Carnegie stuff too, and me and my business partner a j will be in the room and it 's like how many of you here signed up because you were really interested in this? And I raise my hand and I look around and there's AJ with his hand up and no one else has their hand up. And I'm like, did no one hear the question? What's going on? And then the next question, of course, is how many of you are here because your boss made you go and everybody else raises their hand. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Someone had to essentially say, you need to learn these skills or you're fired. Or, hey, why don't you go to this class because you're obviously not getting something extremely important that we need you to know in order to move forward in this organization and everybody of course in, in those classes tends to be in their their late 30s and their 40s which is not old but I'm thinking that they're, they're all turning to me and AJ and this is you know when we were in our 20s and early 30s like wow you guys are really getting the stuff ahead of this stuff that's really great and, and I'm thinking we're late to the party mm-hmm. we should have learned this in high school yeah And it it is really amazing that people don't even think, usually, people don't even think about getting these areas of their lives handled until they're in their 40s and 50s and they've suffered a lot of consequences. A lot of people who come through our Charm are like, I want to start my own business. I don't know how to make connections or I feel like I'm plateaued at work or my family life is stagnated or they're coming off a divorce. There's a lot of that stuff. And And of course, there's the other contingent that says, I just want to make sure I never get a divorce, never stagnate in my career and never have these issues because they're handled in the first place. But that's a much smaller number of people. It's we really do kind of only address this when it causes acute pain. And that's that's too bad.
0: Well, there's a statement for for life and humanity uh, right there. So, yeah, let's not wait till the pain of relationships. Uh, Let's uh, Tune in to the Art of Charm podcast so you can start honing these skills. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to 100 times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. Well, hey, I want to continue in your clip, in your story where you referenced your Wall Street mentor, Dave, uh, it showcases something that we often find. So here's this guy succeeding the most. He's at top of the heap. He was doing things differently than the rest, which we often see. And this harkens back to your quote that I opened the show with, that even though a lot of people know about these types of principles, uh, they know it already, very few people put it into action. And, And so I'm wondering, why do we see this happen? I mean, so this guy, Dave, I mean, his peers, you know, everybody there at the firm, they're all privy to what he's doing. They see what he's doing. It's out in the open and he's outperforming them. Yet few, if any, follow the lead of the successful guy. You did, however, Jordan, and you asked and you listened and you took action. So two questions based on that. One, why were you one of the few or the only guy to emulate what was obviously working best? And then two, what is it that keeps people stuck in the norm and they don't break out and rise above?
1: Uh, Dave was an interesting story. So for just a brief backstory, when I worked on Wall Street as an attorney, I was assigned to the guy who hired me to be – he was assigned to be my mentor, I should say. His name was Dave. And when he hired me, we were, you know, the other interviews we were seated at a, at a desk and other people were like asked firing questions back and forth. And Dave had a little football and we were kind of like playing with it in his office. And I thought, this is really cool. You know, it's like, he's throwing a football back and forth. It's like a Silicon. It's like a tech company, you know, really relaxed. And so they assigned him to be my mentor. And so in, for the reason of why, why did I emulate him? It was because he was the guy who I was supposed to be paying attention to. So it's not like, Oh, I've got it all figured out. Or I see something that no one else sees. I was just as clueless as anybody else in that firm at that time. This is, you know, 2006 or something like that, 2005. And I didn't really get it either. But Everybody said Dave, Dave's your mentor. That's so lucky. I can't believe it. He's the man. And this is a guy from Brooklyn with a tan. So I know he knew something that that nobody else knew. And he was never in the office. And so what I one one day HR got all the first year associates, summer associates, together, and said, "How's your mentorship program going?" And everyone's like, "Oh, it's great. We go out to lunch every week. And we went to see Blue Man Group. And then we're going to this musical. And then we're going to dinner tomorrow. And." They're like, what about you, Jordan? And I'm like, I have literally not seen Dave since I got hired. Not one time, maybe, or like one time in an elevator I saw him or something like that, and he was talking with someone else. That was it. And so they, they kind of made him, as much as HR can make a partner do anything, they made him take me out for coffee, and – he said, ask me anything you want. And I thought, well, this job is terrible. All we do is work all day and all night. You know, and I'm, I'm a kid in my twenties, so I have this sort of sense of what work is supposed to be like. And it's far, very far from the reality yeah. of what work actually was, uh, which was my own fault. You know, work on Wall Street, work hard. I didn't get the memo on that somehow, <laughs> but, um, so we're working and guys are sleeping under their desk and everything and studying law topics in their spare time. And Dave's not even in the office, so I'm, I'm curious. I don't get why. And so when he says, ask me anything you want, I said, how come everyone says you make more money than the other partners, but you're never in the office? Do you just work from home all the time? And he, he put his Blackberry down, finally, and he looked at me and leaned forward and he was like, huh, people, people say that, do they? Well, I'll tell you what. I bring in all the deals I bring in the majority of the work for the real estate department in this firm i've got the connections in the book of business, and that's why I make more money because I get a different i don't have to worry about billable hours i don't get a billable hour bonus. I forfeit that every year, but I do get bonuses for bringing in new business, and those bonuses are bigger and I thought, wait a second, so the choice that we have as as associates is to work under the sleep under the desk work twenty four seven study, learn everything we can about this stuff, and, and then eventually we get to be a partner who does the same thing and shows up at work at 1 o'clock in the morning on a weekend. And then there's this guy, Dave, who somehow had managed to figure out that he just needed relationships, and then he became more, so valuable that they didn't even want him in the office. He was supposed to be generating those relationships to bring in the business. And so for me, I saw that as, a, as my – I knew I wasn't the smartest guy in the firm, And I knew I wasn't going to be able to outwork somebody who had moved from another country, had no family, no friends in town, and whose life was solely dedicated to working as hard as possible, working their way up, and then bringing their family over from this other country. Like I just did not have that motivation. So I knew that my lever was to to get to the top of the law game was to become the best at networking and relationship development that I could be. And so that's one of, that's the reason I got that idea was just because I had this terrible mentor who was assigned to me. I didn't keep people go. So did Dave take you under his wing and show you? No, he, I probably saw that guy one other time the whole summer and he threw a nod in my direction and that was it. But after that, I started dedicating all of my time to reading books like Ziegler, Dale Carnegie, going to the courses, going to the seminars, figuring out what makes people tick reading applied psychology, you know, that Cialdini, seven, ha- you know, and, oh. and the seven Habits of Highly uh, Successful People, all that stuff is psychology of influence, all that stuff. And I started going out by myself. And people then ask, well, why did The Art of Charm start as a dating show? And the reason is because I was 24, and that was what was interesting at the time, right? So the, the networking stuff was always in my head. And to answer your second question, what keeps people stuck in the norm and yep. not breaking out to rise above? The answer is because if you look at – where the, the the beaten path is. And you look at all the advice your parents gave you, well, our parents, my parents anyway, it's always work hard, keep your head down, eventually you'll get promoted, that's how corporations work, and you just don't screw it up and you'll get to the top. And even on Wall Street, you had that mix of your parents' advice, what worked in school, which was study, 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 study take the exam, get hired, and then that other sort of key factor, which is that everyone above you who also has the same faulty programming or just normal programming as you do is also doing that. And it seems to be going okay for them. And then there's this weird guy with a bad haircut, that would be me, who <laughs> who seems to who claims to have found some sort of shortcut that may or may not ever work and doesn't seem to be doing quite as well as the other guys and the, the only person who can maybe verify if he's onto something is a guy who's never in the office that nobody knows right, very well.
0: Right.
1: Right. So so it was risky. I just knew that I was eventually going to get found out as the worst employee ever of this law firm and that they were eventually going to either fire me or just decide, "Hey, you're not a good fit here" because everybody else was indeed smarter and probably harder working than me. And so that's why i think i think people who are smart and risk averse stay in that path but i think that once they get to the junior partner or senior associate level and they start having to use these networking skills that they've never dusted off i think then it becomes a real issue and that's when you end up with People who may or may not ever make partner who work till 3 a.m. on a Sunday and people like Dave who spend four days a week on a cruise for a charity that the company paid for and come back with a tan and a new deal.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to hit in on what you, you mentioned it a couple of times right then in, in risk, just hitting risk. I mean, yeah. so even though we all sit back and we honor and praise and applaud those that rise above the norm and, and as you said, are the exception to the rule, is there possibly at the core of many in the inner self, just a natural hardwiring to fit in. And, And that's often stronger than the will to succeed. And before you answer that, I want to make a call out to two types of people, those who are self-employed and those who receive travel reimbursements from their work. Both types of people receive money or or should from their expenses in the form of mileage reimbursements. Being a self-employed guy myself, I'm always looking for all the savings that I can get, especially come tax time. Mileage reimbursements can be substantial. The hassle, of course, is in keeping up with it. I have the detail skills of a hand grenade, admittedly, and over the years have undoubtedly thrown away thousands of dollars of possible mileage reimbursements because I flat didn't keep up with it. So here, here you go. Mile IQ has solved this. Okay, Mile IQ is the only mileage tracker that detects logs and calculates your drive for you automatically. It keeps all your drives securely stored in the cloud. I downloaded the app on day one, then forgot about it until I got an email alert listing every separate trip I'd taken, just again, separately. It's totally incredible. I mean, you can't get more dummy-proof and hassle-free than that, which is exactly what I need. Uh, and that's why it's got Mile IQ has a five-star rating in Google Play and iTunes App Store. So you can check this out People using MileIQ capture up to 20% more drives than any other mileage tracking tool. And the average user is claiming $535 a month. Uh, That's about $6,400 per year. So you get 43 drives per month free. And if you exceed that, you can upgrade for only $599 a month or $59.99 a year. So try MileIQ for free today by texting ZIG ZIG to this number. 89800. 0, 0. Okay, so you can try it for free right now and get started. Just type Zig, text Zig, Z I G to 89800. 0, 0. That number is 89800 0, 0 for Mile IQ. Okay, and speaking of easy, hassle-free, and highly valuable, I just got out of a meeting where we discussed two new positions that we need to fill. Now, honestly, I enjoy the prospect of finding new talent for a position. I like being at the table with them. But all the work and effort and time to get the right candidates to the table is overwhelming. I mean, even more so when there's a time crunch for a position that needs to be filled pretty quickly. Zip Recruiter. Okay. Zip recruiter can post up to a hundred plus job sites with one single click, just post once. And within 24 hours, you'll have candidates rolling into zip recruiters, easy to use interface. Plus you'll be instantly matched to candidates from over 4 million resumes. Okay. Zip recruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses and you can try it right now for free. Uh, getting the right people for your company is direly important. Nobody knows that better than Ziggler because they have some of the best people on the planet. So try Zip Recruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ziggler. One more time, ZipRecruiter slash com slash Ziggler.
1: I think that's probably true. I think, and I don't have science for this, but I would imagine that it goes in line with people's comfort zones and things like that. We'd much rather avoid pain than than go for pleasure. And I think, especially if that pleasure has risk attached to it, there's a lot of cliches about the comfort zone, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said for that because if you're working on Wall Street, you're a new associate, you've just worked years and years to get into a great law school. And then you worked your butt off in law school to get into a great firm. The last thing you want to do, if you're smart, I was just kind of a desperate guy who didn't know what he'd gotten himself into. If you're smart, you don't think I should mess with this recipe. Mm-hmm. You think, all right, I'm here. Don't screw it up. Keep your head down work as hard as you can and, and knock it out. You, you really don't want to rock the boat me on the other hand i was very comfortable rocking the boat one because i didn't know any better two i saw dave doing it and working really well and three it seemed like the only way i would have been successful in that field
0: well talking about that again on, on so rocking the boat i mean you're, again you're talking about risk that we do you see and so you say you don't have any scientific evidence but you have the evidence uh, as i do of walking with thousands of people who want to do more they want to rise above where they are at least and yet they have fear, and we all have fear when we're looking at something new. Do you find yourself often having to focus with people on getting their desire to be great enough to overcome that fear?
1: Yeah, it, I especially when people come in, a lot of times they know that desire It's like it's in the back of their mind somewhere. It's in the back of their head somewhere, and I think everybody has, or at least many people have that. Uh, it's just a matter of it outweighing the fear that comes into play with, well, what happens if I don't do it right? What happens if I fail? And then, of course, in environments like Wall Street, there's also an element of smugness where every, a lot of people think they're smarter than everyone else. And so they don't want to try something new because they, it, deep down they're afraid, but really they're highly competitive and they think, okay, this is the proven path. I can't afford to lose time practicing a skill set that I don't fully understand. But I think you're right. There's an element of at which that desire has to be sparked great enough to get people to, there's a cool analogy in here somewhere, probably to like spinning fast enough that they can break orbit, right? Oh, they're I, I they're like circling it. the earth and they're they're just sort of floating through space and that's fine. They're still orbiting. But eventually, you know, if they get going quickly enough, they'll break free. But it's really hard to do that. You have to be, you have to not be afraid uh, to do it, which is tough. And the way to do that is either to somehow give yourself a ton of courage Or where I was, the way that it happened for me, which is why it's tougher to replicate, to go, well, I don't have a whole lot invested in, I mean, I do money-wise, but in being an attorney at this firm, I don't care if I'm a successful Wall Street lawyer because it wasn't like a dream I had growing up. It was just something that came to me after going to law school, which I went to because I had nothing else to do. And so I went to grad school, which is, by the way, not a good good (laughs) decision-making strategy and And so I thought, if I end up like becoming a police officer or a teacher or something like that, i haven't failed there's no shame in it for me, so I was able to take a risk because I was only going to maybe lose something i didn't care that much about. But the other kids, because we were all still kids back then, the other kids at my level, the first year associate level they were this is what they'd worked for forever, their parents were so proud, their dad was a lawyer, their grandpa was a lawyer now their granddaughter's a lawyer or whatever, or they grew up poor and they finally made it. You know, this, They had emotional stake attached to making that work. And I just thought, well, if this doesn't work, oh well. But if it does work, great. I found a shortcut. That was my thought
0: process at the time. I love it. That's not the norm, which again is why you're sitting here talking to us. Okay, well, on an adjacent topic to what we've just been on though, so you are enamored with the you know, the concept of Zig and, and others that, that they made famous. Uh, the perspective of in order to get what you want, help other people get what they want. And I love your, you know, authentic response to that. At first you looked at that and thought, come on, really? It sounds yeah. like mumbo jumbo motivational stuff, which you don't even know, but that's what I'm titling this show. I love it. Uh, I mean, how often though, do you see people dismiss strategies that successful people teach because they don't fully understand them and aren't willing to just give it a try as you did?
1: Yeah, I see that all the time. And and here I've actually found a great way to by accident, a great way to filter out the good from the bad. And I'll get into that in a minute. But I did. I first heard that in order to get what you want help other people get what they want. And I I was like, who's this guy with this weird name that's probably made up? Right. Like whose name is Zig Ziglar? Nobody. Absol- absolutely. That. And and so I thought it was like a fit, you know, like I, I, I'm i 24. I thought it was like a Dr. Seuss kind of thing. Like, is this real? And I read this book and I thought there's a lot of stuff in there that's interesting. And I started getting these different uh, audio tapes. I think you and I talked about it. It was like uh, Tommy Hawkins or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah like a terrible copy that someone had probably bootlegged from one of his seminars on a tape recorder that was the size of a suitcase I at think the they top. all just
0: sounded like that back then
1: They might yeah they might it might have just been that was the quality of audio recording in like the 60s or 70s or whenever it was recorded but I listened to it and I thought okay I'm in a car and I downloaded an MP3 version and I listened to it and I thought this is really interesting yeah he's talking about typewriter sales but if we put that aside there's a lot of really interesting stuff in here, and I think he might have even quote been the first person I heard this quote from. He might have been quoting Zig, and I thought that doesn't make any sense. Why would I help other people get what they want instead of just asking for what I want? And then the way it was kind of explained to me was, "Hey, if you if how would what situation would you be in where you would help someone else?" And I thought, well, maybe if they help me first. And then I thought, okay, that makes sense, but I still don't really believe it. It still sounds like something that you say, and it's like a trite little platitude. So I'm going to test it. And so I started helping out friends with stuff and lending them things. Or, you know, if I saw somebody carrying groceries back to their their place, I'd offer them help. You know, these are friends from school. Or I would even see a professor pushing a book, a book cart. And I'd be like, hey, do you want me to wheel that up to your office? And we'd have a little chat uh, on the way. And so I got this reputation as like this guy who was, I guess, just pretty helpful person. And, you know, and when you're helping somebody and you're chit chatting, it sort of breaks the ice if you don't know the person that well. So it was really a fun way to to kind of break the the ice with a lot of folks and get to know a lot of folks and have them get a really favorable first impression. And so I realized, wow, this is really true. And that's totally, this is totally what he meant. You know, if you just stop keeping score, because I wasn't helping that professor move books to his office and then saying at the end, all right, now make sure I get an A on the final. I mean, it never even occurred to me to ask them for anything in exchange for that help because it was so small in my mind. But when time came down to – I remember one time I forgot about a final exam, which is you just don't do that, especially in law school. And I I ran in late, and the professor said – you can't, you know, you can't start late. You're, you're going to, you're not going to be able to finish. And then I said, I'll, I can try. And he, he said, yeah, you can try. So I, I went through and then he made everybody stop. And then at the end, he's like, here, just wait here. After everyone left, he said, you still have 23 more minutes. And he gave me my test back. Wow. And he just had made me stand behind the desk so that I didn't chit chat with somebody about all the answers or something like that. You know, made sure it was fair. But I guarantee you, he didn't go to the dean and say, "By the way, I had to give Jordan Harbinger twenty three extra minutes on his exam." He just forgave me for it because, and I'm not saying because I helped him move books, but I am thinking if I was a little punk in his class, I would not have gotten twenty three.
0: Absolutely. Extra minutes. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the natural law. And I think you mentioned this somewhere of reciprocity and it does, it does come back. I mean, you reap what you sow. I mean, you're, you're saying these time-tested things, but I love the literal personal applications that you have of them I hope folks are hearing uh, are hearing this message come through here well i want to I want to continue on that note I mean you obviously as you said left law and you became a student of these success principles of folks like Carnegie and Ziegler and others and you devoted yourself to spreading this gospel of course with your own color your own flavor, and your own vehicle so I want to know how did you uh transition how did that transition occur and what led you to the platform of today the great success of the art of charm sure so we started taking
1: these principles, and in fact, uh, just before I fully transitioned, one of the things, there's a lot of, I guess, uh, self-help mumbo jumbo motivational stuff that sounds just like this. And so I started to test everything that I could. So if you test in order to get what you want, help other people get what they want, law of reciprocity, those types of things, and the psychology of influence, if you put those to the test, they work if you put some other things to the test and I won't, I won't call anything out here just cause it's unnecessary, but if you hear something else and you think, well, if, if, if helping other people get what they want works to get what you want, then, you know, visualizing a Ferrari in my driveway should work too or, or whatever thing that you're currently learning about. Or I never
0: got that one to work.
1: You never got that one. No. I never got that one to work either. Uh, but if, if you, if you just test things and uh, then you don't have to worry about it. I mean, if If you ask people how it works, they should be able to explain it. I guarantee you that if we could ask Zig how this quote works, he would give a story, how this principle works from the quote, he would give many hundreds of stories just like the one I just told. But if you ask somebody how... All of the this mysterious metaphysical stuff works. They say, well, you know, mystery this and we don't know the science behind that. And, you know, this just works and you end up with stuff like that. And that's how you separate sort of fact from fiction, at least for me, when it comes to a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah. And it brings me back to something and people are going to get tired of hearing this and it's really ridiculous. So here's a guy I've never read his book, Franz Johansson. He wrote the Medici effect. I never read it. I saw him on a brief seminar thing. And one of the things he pulled out though, goes right to what you just said. He said, what I found, one of the things I found in studying entrepreneurs is that they simply try more things. That was it. That's all I remember. Uh, again, I need, to, I need to, out of honor to the guy, go read the book. But they just try more things, and that's what you said over and over in this thing, testing and trying and not getting so caught up in the safety and security of the grind and the, and the average and the norm.
1: I, I definitely believe that. I think Medici was Da Vinci's patron, right? So is that how that worked? And so they just let him go run amok and try a bunch of different stuff? I'll
0: nod like I'm that intellectual, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm not even sure either. Um, but maybe somebody out there listening knows and we'll find out through email.
0: Absolutely.
1: So the way that I started, so I started testing all of that stuff and I started to, I met my business partner at, and uh best buddy back then, AJ, and he was really good with the opposite sex with women. And I thought, okay, that's really cool. I want to learn that too. Right. <laughs> so who doesn't? Sure. And so we started talking about some of the principles and they were really similar. It was like get to know her friends and get to know the different people in the bars and restaurants that you go to and be really nice with all of them. And then they'll talk you up. And then, you know, if you help people do this and you hook your friends up with other people, then they'll hook you. And I'm thinking this is the exact same thing that I was learning about networking and nonverbal communication and first impressions and all the things we teach at the Art of Charm, except it's applied to dating, which is really interesting because I'm 24 and single, you know, or whatever at the time. And that was a real eye opener for me. So we started talking about this and we started getting a lot of attention from people in Ann Arbor where we were living at the time, both of us in grad school, me in law school and him as a cancer biologist. So he was a scientist, so we started testing all this stuff and people started to follow us around or pay for our drinks or pay for our food or pay us just in cash to teach them these things that we were learning and applying because we would walk into it would be St. Patrick's Day there'd be an Irish pub there'd be a line around the block we'd walk through the back door and the guy would say hey AJ Jordan what's going on guys yeah the staff tables in the back just you know knock on the door Brian'll let you in and and sit down and hang out with us so we would Hang out, and you know we would not wait in line, not pay the cover, and not uh pay for the drinks or anything like that and we'd you know it, that just happened every day, and a lot of people said do you do your parents own the real estate that the building is in, or do you own the business or how how come you guys never pay for anything and how come you guys are always hanging out with different people you know everyone and and that translated really well to business once we graduated from school because it was the same skill set. And we had been practicing the heck out of it while we were students. We were just applying it to, you know, women and dating and things like that. And, and that was really exciting for us because we were able to, to be really successful in that area without being sleaze bags and, you know, really by helping other people get what they want and feeling good about it and being able to sleep at night was really cool for us because, of course, our other friends who were quote-unquote successful always had people mad at them, and that's not how you want to live your life.
0: Well, I want to hit right on that, on that topic, but, but before I do, I, I want to hit uh, you know, folks who are listening. We keep talking about Carnegie. I mean, his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is one of my all-time favorites, and to what you said uh, a moment ago, those principles go across the board. He said, How to Win Friends and Influence People. What friends and what people? Any. It, business, buddies, dates, mentors, whatever. It's people, people, people. And that's what, folks, I you, I hope you're hearing Jordan say that these principles go across the board. So to what you just said, though, I mean, regarding the strategies of success, you said in your clip, you said the key is doing it in an authentic way. So it's not you know just an angle or an act. And what that takes, of course, is practice and training. And so it reminded me of you know, like martial arts or dancing. I mean, at first, the moves feel goofy and anything but authentic. But you practice and train at it until it becomes natural. And as you said, Jordan, it becomes a habit. And then that becomes a skill. And it is authentic. And everyone will think you were just born with it, kind of like what you are attesting to in your story a second ago. And you're just one of the lucky ones. And, and again, it harkens to me to uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, uh, which if you don't know that book, go buy it and read it. But, Jordan, I mean you host a week-long, a week-long residential program for men in Hollywood, California. And I'm wondering, is this a focal point, you know, retraining them, uh, getting a paradigm shift, creating new authentic habits for success?
1: Yeah, this is exactly it. And and to your earlier point, it is. In the beginning, you think this isn't going to work or this is stupid or I feel weird doing this or other people think I'm weird. But once it becomes natural, then other people just – they they literally fall right into your frame of behavior they they'll believe it and if you're using this for the the so-called powers of good right if you're just helping other folks and and, we, and I literally got an email like this the other day that that said I like helping people I learned about it on your show but I feel like other people think it's weird or some of my friends think it's weird and they think that this is awkward and not, and it's really sort of a reflection of how they think right they're uncomfortable doing it cuz it's new habit then yes it becomes authentic and people will think oh well you always did this you're you know you were you were born with the gift of gab and that's why you have this business in this show and it's fun to see that because I really do think that once your friends start to think well you always had this and you just didn't know it or you you know this is just your nature you've really got it down right if it doesn't look like you're putting <laughs> putting it on uh to, in a fake way but in the beginning you just have to be comfortable looking a little bit like the the newborn giraffe you know or the newborn what is it those I, foals like I, i'm dog
0: literally dog. writing notes here and i was thinking it was it's the woman in the red dress in matrix uh if you remember that scene i mean yeah you're just talking about sticking out which again we go back to what we talked about at the beginning of this show about being uncomfortable and again we want to rise to the top we all like that we, we idealize that, but when it comes down to the moment, you're saying, just help people out. But yeah, that sticks out. That's not the norm.
1: Yeah, and the guys that come through our boot camps in Hollywood are from all over the world. I just had somebody sign up from uh, Sweden. I had a guy sign up from Australia, and they come in from all over the US and Canada. And the reason is, yeah, we retrain and get those paradigm shifts for creating new authentic habits for success. And that's that's something that has to be done in a very manual way we have to teach the principles we have to drill them so that people get the basic mechanics and then we have to make them do it on their own for several days so that they are comfortable going back home and applying it because you can read about it and go yeah yeah i should totally help other people get what they want and then eventually i'll get what i want or, or whatever you know dot 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 something something else And it doesn't work if it's just a thing that you remember, and it doesn't work if you write it down on an index card and you put it up in front of your computer monitor. It only works if you do it, right? And that's no big surprise, and that's not a brilliant uh, tidbit of advice or habit. But if we can build the beginnings of the habit at boot camp and teach you how to do it really, really well and give you a plan for making that stick and then helping you hone it through the next few years, that's a really powerful skill set to have. And that's what we teach at Art of Charm, among other things.
0: Well, absolutely. And I'm I'm thinking about what you do with Art of Charm and, of course, very uh, similar in some essence of a boot camp for what Ziegler does with the Ziegler Legacy Certification Program. But, yeah, you're taking this essence. And, yeah, it wasn't – I hear you saying it wasn't as simple as taking that one you know, help other people get what they want to get what you want. And you just went out and started doing that and life changed. That was in the, within the context of a ton of training, a lot of application, a lot of context, t- context, which, I, you know, I'll tell you, Jordan, I mean, my, and I think obviously it's why you're doing what you're doing, that we hear a lot. We take in a lot. And I love that. I'm honored that people listen to the podcast, uh, mine and, and the, you know, the Art of Charm podcast but that's not enough. That's what inspires you. That's what starts getting you headed in the right direction. But to really apply this stuff, you've got to dive in. You've got to really engage. And that's what you're, you're doing, Jordan.
1: Yeah. I, thank you. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the team here is great. And they, they, really, they really help get past people's baloney about why they can't, shouldn't, or will do it later and uh, <laughs> kind of force you to build the habits, which is great. You know, it's like, kicking rust off a chain wheel you know you you can try to pedal it off but it's tough you know you need you you might probably need some help
0: that's i love the analogy yeah well that's hey, a weird one. <laughs> go ahead well, hey la- so yeah. last question um before we regretfully wrap up this show that yeah i think we could continue on for an, another hour or more which probably just means we need to do another one um so we'll get that in the books but uh, in your clip you again mentioned carnegie and ziggler which we've made the stars of the show and your effort to apply their principles to modern scenarios, and I like that phrase because you know you're barking up my trees. This is exactly what my focus is in the Ziegler Show. Uh, would, you, would you agree, Jordan, that we're talking about, again, principles that are timeless and evergreen, but they do simply need to be reframed and outfitted to meet the perspectives of an ever-changing culture and demands? Yes, I, I think it's less the principles that need updating and the application of the principles
1: that need updating, right? I don't think anywhere in my lifetime is someone going to say, well, I guess it's no longer true that in order to get what you want, you need to help other people get what they
0: want. <laughs> I hope that not. I
1: hope not. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I mean, that will always work, but it reminds me of when I first started listening to this stuff, and, and I think it was they were talking about typewriter sales, and I that was literally it. They were talking about how to sell typewriters and how they were calling people on the phone kind of cold call to sell typewriters and at first I was like this doesn't apply this is ridiculous but I was driving and I didn't want to change what I was listening to and I thought there's probably something here and it turned out that it applied perfectly it's just that you had to replace typewriters with well any any other device and you didn't most people didn't do cold call sales at that point anymore etc and it was relationship-based, so it became a lot easier for me to sort of look at at these principles in action, and even Dale Carnegie's company, the Carnegie Corporation, they they have updated the book for modern times. I haven't caught the new edition, but apparently it has like texting etiquette and email etiquette in there, and you know, how to behave on the internet or something like that, according to the Carnegie principles. And, and that's a great idea because what happens is you get people who are maybe really new to this whole niche uh, of personal growth and the they they're looking for ways to disqualify or discredit the information. And so, and people do that with art of charm all the time. They'll say, Oh, this is just for men. So it's not useful. I can't use it. I'm a woman. I can't apply this because maybe they're new to what we're what we're teaching. But if you give it two seconds, or if you update it for modern times, or update it to make it unisex, or whatever the case may be, then it's more palatable to people. And they can really kind of ease into it. And then it doesn't matter. You could be talking about aliens and helping them get what they want to get what you want. And the principle holds true. But sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees, especially when you're first starting out.
0: All right. Well, we have – yeah, I could continue going on, but we need to wrap show up. So I have one last point for everyone and one last question for you, Jordan. And the last point for everyone is right now, go to theartofcharmpodcast.com and sign up for it. Subscribe to it. Go to iTunes or Stitcher. Search for The Art of Charm. And start listening to Jordan, the incredible guests that he brings on that take these topics and go deeper and expand them in more ways. Do yourself a favor. Go do that. Last question for you, Jordan. Will you do another show with us? Absolutely. This is really fun. Okay. I got you in audio. Uh, forever. So there you go. We'll schedule this. Thank you so much for doing this, for taking your time, sharing your heart, sharing your your wisdom and your skill. Uh, I'm so grateful. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next Ziggler Show. Thanks for tuning into The Ziggler Show. Sign up for new show alerts at ZigglerShow.com. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.